Take your Bibles, turn to Hosea chapter 6. So let me ask you this question. How many of you in this room would consider yourself someone with a green thumb? All right. How many of you in this room would consider someone near you has a green thumb? All right. Maybe you don't want to admit it. Okay. Someone around you has a green thumb. Hey, let me, let me tell you something. I, I do not. I, I don't know what the opposite of green thumb is, but that is what I have. All right. I have a brown thumb. Everything that I get that is alive turns a brown for me. In fact, I, I thought today we would have a visual illustration. I, I, I have a plant that I got just a, a couple of weeks ago that I had my office trying to, you know, liven it up a little bit. It's a new year, some life in the office. I mean, I'm going to go get it for you real quick, okay? So this is my plant that is intended to liven up my office right there. Um, now, here's the, the deal. Maybe I should just stand over it and my pants can drip into it and that would help. Uh, some of you out there right now aren't going to be able to listen to another word I say because you're horrified by the image of this. And you're like, how could he let that happen? I, I've watered it. Um, it says don't put it in a sunny environment. I, I haven't. Um, uh, and I came into this this morning. I have watered it again this morning. So perhaps if I was a really good preacher, it would come to life while we were preaching, right? I don't think that's going to happen, all right? But here's the point. A few weeks ago, we started this series on renewal. And the Bible often compares our hearts to a garden or something that's alive like a plant. And the truth is, if we weed it, if we water it, if we nurture it, if we tend it, our relationship with the Lord, our spiritual life grows. But if we don't, it becomes this. Look at what it says in Isaiah chapter 58, starting in verse 9. Do we have that? There it is. At that time, when you call, the Lord will answer. When you cry out, he will say, here I am. If you get rid of the yoke among you, the finger pointing and malicious speaking... He goes on, and if you offer yourselves to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted one, then your light will shine in the darkness and your night will be like noonday. The Lord will always lead you, satisfy you in a parched land and strengthen your bones. You will be like a watered garden and like a spring whose water never runs dry. Over the last few weeks, we've talked about renewal and what that looks like for us. And the truth is that Some of you in this room are that well-watered garden. Your relationship with the Lord either has been rekindled, is in the midst of being rekindling, or it's just been good for a while. But some of us in this room, some of you in this room, this would be your spiritual life. Not quite as vibrant as it used to be. Not quite as lush as it was. There are parts of it that are even, you feel like, dying Scripture, when it talks about these kind of moments when we're not well watered, when we're not well taken care of, when we aren't in the process of cultivating the soil of our own heart. In fact, even when Jesus tells a parable about the soils, he uses agriculture as a theme. We miss a lot in our modern society where agriculture is not at the forefront of what we understand and as the kind of the language that we use in our day. We miss a lot of what Jesus talks about when he talks in such agrarian terms. What he's saying when he's talking about the soil is that some people's hearts are good soil and some are not. 
And the question that we ask over the last few weeks and will continue to ask over the next few weeks is, what does our spiritual life look like? In fact, if you remember that first week, by the way, the drought condition in Tennessee has improved. That's what happens when you get the amount of snow and rain that we did. But if you remember, I asked you the question that if there was a map that showed the drought condition of your heart, what would that map look like for you? What would the drought map of your spiritual life look at? And all of us experience those dry spells in our lives spiritually. But I believe with all my heart that if you're here today and you're in this spiritual desert, spiritual dryness, or even in that process of trying to rekindle, I believe with all my heart that God wants to satisfy you in a parched land. That's what this series of renewal is about. That first week I read a passage of scripture that we kind of touched on for a moment and then we launched into another passage. But I want to spend some time today focusing on Hosea chapter 6 verses 1 through 3. Chapter 6 verse 1 says, Come. Let's return to the Lord, for he has torn us and he will heal us. He has wounded us and he will bind up our wounds. He will revive us after two days and on the third day he will raise us up so we can live in his presence. Let's strive to know the Lord. His appearance is as sure as the dawn. He will come to us like the rain, like the spring showers that water the land. Hosea chapter 6 is right in the midst of one of the minor prophet books. Now, it's only a minor prophet. It doesn't mean it's less important. It's minor because it's shorter. There are the major prophets that are long books and the minor are shorter. But here's the thing about Hosea. It is the longest, the first, and the most theologically complete message in the minor prophets. He would have been at the same time as Isaiah and Micah prophesying. There's a divided kingdom, the northern and southern kingdom, split. Northern kingdom had all the advantages it would see from a worldly point of view, and yet the southern kingdom would outlive it. Hosea is called to the northern kingdom. And here's the story of Hosea. Maybe you know this story. Maybe you remember this story. Um, I, I use this story when I talk about Old Testament survey every time. It's the first week because I love the story and I think it encapsulates the story of Scripture. When the book of Hosea, if you remember, the first thing that we get in the book of Hosea is that God calls Hosea, a prophet, to go and to marry a prostitute. A woman who would not be faithful to him. And he does. And then they have kids and God tells him to name the kids some strange names, including two of them, one named not mine and the other named unloved. Now, we read it in the Hebrew. And so you're like, like that. That's not a doesn't sound like a terrible name. But if you were on the playground in Hebrew school and you walked out. They would have heard it as, let me introduce you to my children. This one's not mine, and this one's unloved. Now, the truth is, it may not have been his. God called him to love this woman. She apparently leaves him, and God tells him, go back. Buy her back. Redeem her. And he does. 
And then God says, basically, this is the picture of my people and me. I am faithful, you are not, but I have come to redeem you. And at the end of chapter 5, basically what happens is God says to them, what kind of decision are you going to make about whether or not you're going to follow me or continue on your way? What will they do? And in chapter 6, verse 1, they say, come, let us return to the Lord. A couple of things that I want you to see here about this this particular passage of Scripture and what's being called upon here. And the first is that renewal requires returning. He says in there, come, let us return to the Lord. Let us, in verse 3, press on to know him better. And what he's basically saying, this prophet, as he's calling out to the people is, hey, we don't have to stay the same. We don't have to stay where we are. We don't have to continue in what's going on. We can return to the Lord. Doubt can become faith. Discouragement can become joy. Despair can become purpose. Defeat can become victory. Let us. Notice that it's not alone. It's not him by himself. He is saying this is a group effort. Let us go back to the Lord. Let us return to him. It's a picture of God's people saying, this is what God is offering. This is what God wants. We have not been living that way. And now we want to return to what God's called us to. That word, by the way, return, is used over a thousand times in the Old Testament. It's used 23 times in the book of Hosea. It's one of the most frequently used terms when describing what God wants from his people. Return. What does it mean? Let us turn to the Lord. What does that mean? It means, first of all, recognizing where we are. That we have stepped away from the Lord, that we're not living according to his purpose, that we are in this state of being a heart that is not well watered, a heart that is not thriving, that our lives spiritually are dry and parched. It's a recognition of where we are and a realization that God hasn't moved, we have. It's the old joke about an older couple I don't know what that means anymore. I'm not sure if Susan and I are an older couple yet, but one that had been married a few years, riding in a truck. And I, I imagine this happening on the back roads of West Tennessee because that's where I grew up. Riding in a truck and he's sitting in his seat and she's sitting in her seat and there is uh, adequate space between them. Plenty of arm resting room and other things to put there and as they're driving they see a couple pass them on the other side and it's a back road they're not going very fast and it's a young couple and he's sitting there driving in his seat and she is not as far away as she can get she is right next to him arm wrapped around him while he's driving young love and she looks at him the older lady looks at her husband and says Why don't we ever do that anymore? And he just looks at her and says, honey, I ain't the one that's moved. Now, with a response like that, maybe that's why she moved. But (laughs) the point is, when we look at the relationship with the Lord, if there's any distance between us and the Lord, the Lord hadn't moved. We have. 
And there's a recognition. Again, this is a corporate call. There's to be a corporate recognition. God, we're not doing what you've called us to do. We're not being who you've called us to be. We're not acting like you've called us to act. We're not responding to one another like you've called us to respond. We're not living out your gospel as you've called us to live it out. We realize that we are in a place we should not be. Returning also means repenting. That's a good old church word. And if there were a better word for it in modern day to make it more understandable, I would use it. There's just not. It means declaring not only do I recognize where we are, Lord, I am sorry for that. And we are going to turn from that and move in a different direction. It is not just confession, although confession is part of it. Repentance is confession and repurposing, turning anew, doing a 180, going the opposite direction. Come, let us return to the Lord. Now, one of the ways that God often gets our attention and gets us to understand that this is needed in our lives is through crisis. Now, I'll be honest with you. When I was growing up um, in, in a church, the, the church would try, try to create crisis. Back then, we called them revival services. Anybody, anybody remember revival services? We called special speaker in and they would come in and uh, generally they were in the preacher we had because they toured the nation doing this. And they had four sermons they preached everywhere they went and they were good. But it was really a lot about them coming in and the spirit of God using them. And one of the things they would say oftentimes is, hey, 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 you're over here. God's over here. What are you doing over here? Why are you over here? Come back. Let's go. You need to come back. Come back. And, and they preach that Sunday morning and Sunday night and Monday night and Tuesday night. And, and the message was basically the same. Night. What are you doing? You're over. Let us return unto the Lord. That's because there's no renewal without returning. In verse 3, it says, let us strive to know the Lord. Let's strive to know Him. Let's strain to know Him. Let's press on to know Him. Let's go after Him. Let us pursue the Lord. The point of this in the passage is that it's not a passive, all right, God, I'd like to return. I'm sorry I did these things. There's an active participation for us as individuals and for us as a community of believers to say, we're going to press on. We're going to strive for. We're going to go after. We're going to seek. We're going to search. We're going to press towards knowing the Lord. What does it mean to know the Lord? Well, it means a couple of things biblically when you look through the history of the of the Bible, it means, first of all, that we know things about God, that we have knowledge of God, that we understand God, that we understand who he is and what he's done. It means that we are looking for information about the Lord, truth that comes from Scripture about his revelation to us. We are discovering what his attributes are, his holiness, his omniscience, his omnipresence, his loving kindness, his patience, his 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 fire of 
anger that comes in jealousy because there is no God like Him. And then we see what He's done for us in the person of Jesus, in the calling back in history as He has again and again told His people to come and they have come and He has restored them. And we understand that's who He is. But it goes deeper than that. It goes right to the heart level, to the core of who we are. And it's not just that we know facts about Him. We have, secondly, experienced Him. We know Him. One of my favorite lines in movies is a line from a Christmas movie that we watch every year to begin the Christmas season. And it's when a guy from another place ends up in New York City and finds out that Santa is coming to the store the next day. Buddy the Elf says... I know him. And he means I have an intimate relationship, friendship, almost like father-son kind of, I know him. No, yeah, yeah, we all know. No, 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 no. I know him. There are a lot of people that say, yeah, I know God. But they don't know God. A lot of people... Yeah, yeah, I know about God. This isn't about knowing about. We are striving, yes, to, to know facts and understanding of who He is, absolutely. But we are striving to know and experience who He is. An intentional pursuit. It's almost like they're saying, hey, hey, wake up, wake up. It's time to go after the Lord. Wake up, let's go. Um. This weekend, I celebrated my 48th birthday. Yesterday. I'm getting old, guys. I mean, literally. When I, I can't believe y'all hired somebody as young as I was when I came. Some people still call me a young pastor, and I was like, you, that's not true anymore, all right? But one of the things that happens about around your birthday is as you get older, birthdays become, at least for me, they become moments of kind of reflection. I mean, I was telling Jake a few minutes ago, our, our tradition always is we, we go out to eat. Whoever's birthday it is gets to pick where they go. It's a meal we don't really usually concern ourselves with. I mean, we, we're, we're within reason. We're not spending crazy. But like, you know, you get whatever you want on the menu, have a good time and all that. I don't know if y'all noticed, right? But if you take six people out to eat, it costs a lot of money these days. Can I get an amen in the house of a... And like, if I'm going out for my birthday, we're not going to Chick-fil-A. I love Chick-fil-A. That's not my birthday meal, right? And I got to thinking about that yesterday, and we had decided on a place, and I was just like, you know what? I don't know that I want to go out. I told you, I'm getting old, right? I'm getting old. Like, if I'm not going out at 4 o'clock, I don't think I want to be in the crowds and all of that. You know, I have to wait on a table. Like, can I get an amen in the house? All right. So... I just went and bought steaks and grilled them last night. Sat at the table with my family and had birthday meal there. 10, 15 years ago, that had been like, ah, oh, that's, you should go somewhere. Now it's like, oh, this is perfect. Friday, I was driving 
And uh, one of the things that I do after I drop the girls off on Fridays at school is um, I have Apple Music. Some of you are Spotify people, but I have Apple Music. And every week they put the new songs up on Friday. And so I'll always, when I get in the car, drop the girls off, drive them back to the house or wherever I'm going. And I, um, I, I find the new songs that have been released from Christian Music that week. And I start just play them one by one by one, right? And about the fourth or fifth song, I was almost home. It was a good thing I was. Was a new song by for King and Country with Lee Bryce, I think, who's a country music star. And it's called Checking In. I was like, oh, okay, King and Country. Anybody here like King and Country? Okay, great. They're great in concert. Great family, all that. I ended up bawling in my car because it was a song about a son playing the voicemail from his dad who had passed away. And I was like, they need to put warning labels on these songs, right? It's an old Doug Stone song, by the way. They need to let people know that this is coming. And I had that on Friday, my birthday, it was Saturday. Last night, as we were as we were getting everything together, we found out that one of our good friends from Union who's been struggling with cancer for years, passed away last night. And there was just that moment, you know, I was sitting there last night and thought, man, I have no idea how much time God's got left for me on this earth. It could be, you know, my father-in-law passed away recently. That was, he was almost 90. My dad passed away a little bit younger. Stacy, our friend, was our age. And I just had one of those moments of reflecting, thinking about this message, which is running through my mind always on Saturday night. And I thought, man, am I where I need to be? Am I intentionally pursuing the Lord like I'm called to? How much time do I have? I don't know. But I want to spend whatever time I have passionately devoted to him. I thought about Philippians chapter 3. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul says, Not that I've already reached the goal, or I'm already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I have also been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. I love that. I do everything I can to get to Jesus because he's already gotten to me. Brothers and sisters, I think I consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind And reaching forward to what is ahead. Forgetting what's gone behind. Starting new right now. Looking forward to ahead. Then he goes on to say, I pursue as my goal. Or I press on to. It's the same idea as what Hosea calls us to. We are going to press on to the prize promise by God's reward in calling us. Come. Let us return to the Lord. Come, hey, 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 where are you? Why are you over there? Why why are we over there? Come on. Let's get back. Let me just say this. That if we're going to experience renewal, it requires returning. It requires an intentional pursuit. And we need to realize it will involve a journey. He shows us that in chapter 6. He has wounded us, or he has torn us, and he will heal us. He has wounded us, and he will bind up our 
wounds. Torn there literally is the picture of a predator ripping apart its prey. But the reason that He has torn us is so that He can heal us. The reason that He has brought crisis into our life, the reason He allowed things to happen is so that He can heal us. Yes, it is difficult and it hurts, but the reason is for healing. My mom had surgery about a little less than two weeks ago on her back because she's had leg pain and a cyst that was causing pain to shoot down the left side of her leg. And in order to fix the pain, they had to tear other parts of her body. The Lord says, sometimes I have to do surgery on you. I have to tear you, rip you in order to heal you. Sometimes I have to allow things or send things into your life. We, on Wednesday nights, we're having a great Wednesday night Bible study, great group of people. We'd love for you to join us at 6 o'clock. We're studying the book of Jonah. And there was this part, and I mentioned it Wednesday night, but just blew me away. Because if I'd seen this before, I didn't remember seeing it before. I may have even preached on it before, but I'm getting old and I forget things now, right? But, but in chapter 1, verse 1... God says to Jonah, Jonah, get up and proclaim or exclaim or get up and call out to the Ninevites about their sin. And you know the story, right? What does Jonah do? He gets up and does what? Runs, goes the opposite way. In fact, he goes to a boat to get as far as he could possibly get away from where he was. So it says that he went down into the, he went down to Joppa. He went down into the boat. In the boat, he goes down to the lower level. And at the bottom of the boat, it says, and he lay down on the floor and fell asleep. You know what happens then, right? A storm comes up. In fact, it says in Scripture that God hurls the storm. Storm comes up. Everybody starts freaking out. The captain's looking at everybody. It says everyone's crying out to their God on the boat except for Jonah, who is asleep in the lowest point of his life. And the captain comes to Jonah and he looks at him and he says, get up and cry out. The exact two words that God used in calling him. Through the captain, God was saying to Jonah, Jonah, you thought you ran away from me, but I'm still here. I'm still pursuing you and I'm going after you. Here's the thing. The reason... We should be pursuing God with all we have is because God pursued us with all he has and is continuing to do so. And what I said Wednesday night, I believe this is that in Jonah's life, the storm, the being thrown overboard and the being swallowed by the fish are acts of grace and mercy from God to get Jonah back on track. And sometimes he has to tear us in order to heal us. But it's not just pain to purpose. He also brings death to life. I mean, verse 2. You know, in the New Testament, it compares Jesus to Jonah. Jonah being in the belly of the whale and Jesus being in the belly of the earth. But verse 2 is as much of a prophecy as Isaiah is when it talks about his wound shall heal us. It says, he will revive us after two days. And on the third day, he will raise us up so we can live in his presence. It is proof of God's power that he can bring dead to life. Renewal requires a journey through difficulty and pain and suffering sometimes. 
But in the end, we get the Lord. Let us strive to know the Lord. His appearance is as sure as the dawn. He will come to us like the rain, like the spring showers that water the land. At the end of chapter 5, the people of God have two choices. They can walk away, continue in what they're doing, and live in their life of sin. Or they can turn and press on towards the Lord. I don't know where you are spiritually today. Maybe your life looks like this plant when I first got it. Full, vibrant, green, standing up. Or maybe you're here and you're like, that's not even descriptive of my life because everything's brown on mine. Here's what I know. Wherever you are in your, in your life, God gives you an opportunity today and says, hey, why don't you return? Why are you over there? Why don't you come back? For some of you in this room, that may mean a first-time decision for Christ. You've never accepted Christ as your Savior. And today, for the first time, you want to do that. In just a moment, we're going to sing. Band's going to come and lead us. I'm going to be standing down front. I'd love to talk with you if that's the case. For some of you, it is like, man, you know, one of the things that was preventing me is the first act of obedience that the Bible talks about is baptism. I haven't, I haven't been obedient in baptism. And because of that, I think it... It's showing that my life isn't growing like it should. I'd like to be baptized to take that step. For some of you, it's just there's some things in your life that is poisoning your heart. And you need to let that go. And you need to come and pray about that today. But as your pastor, the one encouragement that I want to give you is, come. Let us return to the Lord. Let us strive to knowing yeah. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray that our hearts will be reminded again and again of your gracious, loving mercy that gives us chance after chance after chance after chance to return. Lord, I pray for people in this room that do not know you as their Savior, that today would be the day they would make that decision. I pray for people in this room that, Lord, just feel like it's time to to come back, to return, that they have a relationship with you, but it's time to return. I pray, Lord, for us as a church that we would return. Lord, let us be a people that are always aware what you desire to do in our lives. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.